chapter 5, verses 15 to 21. Um, okay. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Give thanks always and for everything to the God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. First, I want to take a little minute to say thank you for all the prayers and all the, the, the ways that you show love to, to me and to my family during these two months. And I have been asking myself why I was in this, in this accident. And I have two big reasons that the Lord has put in my heart. One, and this has been especially for me, is God wanted me to be with him alone <laughs> in my bed, in a dark room. And I have used that time to be with him. And I think uh, that was one of the, the reasons that I, I, I feel like the Lord um, has been spoken to me and through his word and through prayer, and I feel that that is uh, one of the purposes why the Lord put me in, in this situation, in this accident. And the second is, um, the second reason is that I have been thinking and complaining, that's a confession, that I am far away from my family. I am here with my family, and we've, we are like isolated, and you know, the sun, the beach, and all these things in South America that are the food. But the, the way that you, this church, support me and show love and care was something that the Lord uh, wanted to use it as well again to say, Marvin, be quiet. You have a family. You have people that is there, not just for you, but with other people that are in situations similar to you or in need, the church is always there. And that is something that we, uh, I, I am praying that we will do more and abound in a bond in love and, and care for each other here in this, in this little congregation that the Lord has given us to be together. Amen. So with that, I want to uh, start uh, with the word of God, with uh, uh, praying first. Let's, let's pray. Lord, we come before you 
with a grateful hearts for the big privilege that we have to call you Father. And we are this Sunday um, grateful for the Holy Spirit, for the person of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, and for the dwelling of the Holy Spirit in our midst, in our life, that through Him, Lord, we can now come to your word and, and listen and pay attention to the things that you want us to learn and to be uh, listening from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is the center of Ephesians chapter 5. It is a command. It is an invitation from God through the Holy Scriptures. But have you asked yourself how this happens? And this morning, I will take you to a journey through the history of the Bible to answer this question. How can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? And today is a special occasion to consider this question because as a church, we are celebrating Pentecost, the Pentecost Sunday. And we need to understand what this celebration is and how it's connected to the Holy, is connected with the Holy Spirit and as well, how is this connected with the passage that we are going to be uh, meditating this morning. Therefore, we will need to make this little journey and, that, and therefore is that I want you to have your Bibles and I, I make sure that the, the people, um, um, our brother Francis will have all the scriptures there because we are going to go through the scripture this morning. So, at the center of the Bible, we find this core theme. God wants to live with his people. God wants to live with his people. That was the purpose of the Garden of Eden. God wanted to be with Adam and Eve, but... Sin, sin caused an interruption of this relationship. And God therefore drove them out of the Garden of Eden. God sent them out of the Garden of Eden because sinful people cannot live in the presence of a holy, holy holy and three times holy God. But there is hope. God still, still wanted to live with his people. In the book of Exodus, God rescues his chosen people, not just to free them from slavery, but to have a relationship with them. God did not save them from slavery and then led them on their own. No, he established a set of instructions to build a place where God could live among them. And the climax of the book of Exodus is when the glory of the holy, holy, holy 
three times holy God fills the tabernacle. So once again, God lives among his people. But we need to be reminded that the people of Israel, they were still sinners. And God is still holy. God live among them, but they could not come to him on their own terms. And this is why we see in the book of Leviticus, uh, Leviticus a whole system of rituals Israel had to follow in order to be clean and to come before God. And at the center of these ceremonial rituals is the Day of Atonement. Only on this day, once a year, the high priest and the high priest only could enter to the heart of the tabernacle, the most holy place. And the high priest come in only these days to present an atonement, a payment for the sins of the people through a sacrifice. Nobody else could dare to enter it if it was not the right day, the right person, and the proper sacrifice. But centuries later, everything went wrong again. The people forgot the reason why they had been freed from slavery. And because of their sins, God sent them away from the land he had, gi he had given them. Just like he had done with Adam and Eve. God sent them out of the promised land into captivity. During this time, Ezekiel, the prophet, saw a vision of God's glory living, living the temple. And you have heard this famous vision, the wheel in the wheel. And at the top of that wheel in the wheel, there was the throne of God, the presence of God. And Ezekiel saw that God was leaving the temple. Why? Because he is holy, holy, holy. And he cannot live with sinful people. But once more, don't dismay. This is not the end of the story. At the end of Ezekiel's book, in chapter 36, God promised a time when he would pour out his spirit on his people. And if you read with me Ezekiel chapter 36, 27, you will find what God was telling his people there. It says in verse uh, 27, And I will put my spirit within them, within you, 
and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And another verse, chapter 39, verse 29, if you can read it with me, and it says in chapter 39, verse 29, and I will not hide my face anymore from them. When I put out my spirit upon the house of Israel, declares the Lord God. God promised that there would be a time when his people would not be apart from him anymore. And there will be a time when his people will receive the power to walk in God's holiness, in, in obedience to his commandments. Ezekiel, last chapter, describes a new city temple. We were, sitting, we were singing about the city of God, a new city temple. And in the last verse of Ezekiel, in the last verse of the book of Ezekiel, we find the last words says this. If you go to Ezekiel chapter 48... The last verse, the last phrase says, And the name of the city from that time on shall be the Lord is there. Do you see who is taking the initiative to be with his people? It was not the people. It was God wanted to be with his people. And he promised and he gave this prophecy to the prophet Ezekiel saying, I will be there. That is my promise. That is something that I will do. So 70 years later, the people of Israel returned from captivity. Remember that? And they revealed the, rebuilt the temple. But you know what? Nothing happened during that time. The glory of God didn't fill that temple. And the people of Israel, they kept in rebellion, sinning and sinning against God. And Ezekiel prophecy had not come true. Until one day, 400 years later, a man from Nazareth appeared near the Jordan River. And this is how the disciple John described these men. If you go with me to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, in verse 14. John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the Word. John is calling these men the Word. 
And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Have you noticed the word that we have been saying? The glory of God in the tabernacle. The glory of God in the temple. And then John sees, sees the glory in this man. And his name is Jesus. The glory that was in the tabernacle. The glory that was in Solomon's temple now is here. That's what John is testifying. God had came in the flesh and dwelt among us in the person of Jesus. Do you remember the angel saying, and you shall call him Emmanuel? What is the meaning of Emmanuel? God with us. Remember the prophecy of Ezekiel, the last phrase, I will be there. Jesus was the place where God now revealed his glory. Jesus was the temple full of God's glory. That's why you remember Jesus told the religious people of his time, destroy this temple. And I will rebuild it in three days. He was not talking about the Jerusalem temple of those days. He was talking about his body. And he did he died on the cross, but he rose again on the third day. Destroyed this temple. He rose out of the grave on the third day. And now, Jesus is not physically here with us because he returned to the Father. But before his death, he promised his people the Holy Spirit. The same promise that God made in the book of Ezekiel, Jesus made to his disciples, to his people, to his followers. And I will send the Holy Spirit and you will receive power. The Holy Spirit will make his people the temple of God. The temple of the Spirit of Christ. And that is what happened at Pentecost. Jesus himself doesn't come physically. Oh, yes, one day he is going to come and every see, every eye will see him. But now he came the spirit at Pentecost. Christ is present in his people, 
Pentecost was the inauguration of this new covenant. And I will put my spirit within you. If you go back again in Ezekiel chapter 36, in verse 25, we read this. And I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. This was possible because of the atonement sacrifice. Jesus Christ was the sacrifice that make us clean and able and enable us to come and to receive now this power of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 26. And it says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. And I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And give you a heart of what? A flesh. Pentecost was the inauguration celebrating this new time for humanity where God dwells among his people through the person of the Holy Spirit. I will be there. And that is the whole story of the Bible. That is the message of the gospel. God making it possible for us to be with him. In the Old Testament, the temple was a symbol of God's presence with his people. But now the New Testament describes the church, his people as God's temple. Those whom Christ has saved from the slavery of sin, those are God's temple. Those are the ones who receive this precious gift of the Holy Spirit. God has come to dwell among us in the person of his Holy Spirit. God is really among us now. Do you believe that? Ephesians says that we are the dwelling which God lives by his spirit. And 1 Peter chapter 2 says that we are the temple of God. So what is the role of the Holy Spirit? What is the work of the Holy Spirit in us? First thing is that the Holy Spirit sanctify us which means that the Holy Spirit set us apart set us apart 
you now belong to him. Think of sanctification this way. You have a toothbrush that you use to brush your teeth in the morning and whatever you want. And no, no one would dare to use that toothbrush. You have sanctified that toothbrush for you and for you alone. This is the meaning of being set apart. God has said of you, you belong to me. You are mine for my use only, for my purposes only. That's why if you go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you will read this. Verses 19 and 20. And the verse says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Look what it says next. You are not your, your own. Can I read this again? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So look the word that the, the Paul is using here. So glorify. You know, he's been the glory in the temple, the glory in Jesus. Now glorify God in your body. The sanctification. That's the first part. The second part is what it's called the progressive sanctification. Oh yes, we need sanctification every day because every day you and I, we still live in this body that is a sinful body and that is inclined to sinful things. So that's why they call it progressive sanctification, which, which means that God's spirit is changing us. It's changing our desires. It's changing our longings. It's changing our minds. It's transforming us to the same image of Jesus Christ. Is how you are transforming to something completely different from what you already are. Look what says 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all, 2 Corinthians 3, 18 says, and we all with unveiled face, beholding, you will not Believe the word that I found there again. Beholding what? The glory. How you behold the glory of God? Through the Holy Spirit. Beholding, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. 
That means that the product that you are right now, the work of the Holy Spirit in you now is not going to be the same next year. And in 10 years, and if the Lord wants, in 30 years, or 40 years for the younger ones, He's transforming us from one glory to another. Don't you desire to know the, the next glory that God has in store for you through the work of the Holy Spirit in you? From one glory to another. And this says at the end of the verse, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So now, we come back to our passage for this morning. The words that call our attention are, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the question that comes to mind is, how and why do I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? The answer to why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit comes from the previous verses that we have in our passage this morning. If we are not filled with the Holy Spirit, we will fill ourselves with many other things. And that's what you read in verses 15 to 18. If you go to Ephesians, our passage for this morning, and we read the verses 15 to 18, it says, look carefully, then, how you walk, not as an unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. These other things are unwise and foolish and make us live like drunkards. In chapter 5, if you read the previous verses, before the verse 15, the Apostle Paul mentioned all these kind of things. And he mentioned sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talk, and crude joking. And the opposite then, to be, to be like foolish and unwise is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So now that we have answered why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, let's, let's dedicate a, a, a couple of minutes answering how this can happen in you and in me. The epistle of Ephesians, the, the letter to the Ephesians, is a beautiful letter. And in previous chapters, Paul, in a way, is modeling to these believers how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the first thing that we find there in the book of Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, I'm, I'm thinking Hebrews, I mean, we are Ephesians now. In the book of Ephesians is through prayer. If you go 
to Ephesians chapter 1, a couple of pages before, it says in verse 16, Ephesians 1, 16 and 17, and he says, Paul, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remember, remembering you in my prayers, that the Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory again, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, the spirit of wisdom. I pray that the Lord will give you this prayer. This is a model for, for all of us. You need to have in mind that when He is saying that He prays to the Father of glory to give Give the spirit of wisdom, of revelation. Paul is talking about Christians that, are, that, that already have the spirit in them. But the prayer of Paul here is that you need more. And I pray that you will receive more of this spirit of wisdom. More of this spirit of Christ. More of the Holy Spirit. And I should say here that you cannot pray for something for others that you would not pray for yourself. So, Paul is praying this for them. But it's a model for us as well to be praying for ourselves this kind of spirit of wisdom. To be filled with this spirit of the Lord. And again, if you go two more chapters ahead, in verse, chapter 3, verse 14, starts in verse 14 and says, I bow my knees before the Father. And if you go to verse 16, it says, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant us to be strengthened with Power through His Holy Spirit in our inner beings. You see? He's praying on His knees that you and I will receive this power of the Holy Spirit. And at the end of verse 19 says, And I pray that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So this morning, dear brothers and sisters, ask God to fill you with, your, with the Holy Spirit because there is an unlimited power and riches of glory for us through prayer. When you pray, you're being filled with the Holy Spirit. But the second way I see we are filled with the Holy Spirit comes from the same passage there. In verse 14, in verse 17 says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. And verse 17 says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We are filled with the Holy Spirit through prayer and through faith. And you all know pretty well that Bible verse that explain how faith comes to you and to me. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith 
comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. When we hear the word of Christ, when we read the Bible daily, when we are feel, filling our hearts and our minds with the words of Christ, when we come to meet God with others on Sundays to hear the word of God, we are filling our hearts with the Holy Spirit. I read a book called Supernatural Power for Everyday People from this author, Jared, Jared Wilson. And there was a quote there that I underlined and I copied and then I want to share this morning with you. And it says, your time in the Bible is the primary means by which the Holy Spirit empowers you to live, to live your life. If you don't want this power, by all means, don't go to your Bible. Go to Twitter or Facebook or YouTube. Go to cable news or satellite sports. Go to the movies or self-help seminars. Go anywhere else if you, if it says go anywhere else if it's not power you are interested in. But if you want to dwell daily in the supernatural realm of God's kingdom and hear the very words of God, and I will add, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit, close quotation, your Bible is the place to go. As a pastor, as your brother in Christ, I need to tell you, you cannot take shortcuts. In this one, no, it's not possible. You want the power of God. You need to use your knees. And you need to use your Bible. And you need to pray that God fill you and open your mind and your understanding to see the power through the scriptures in your life. Let me close by pointing out some results of being filled with the Holy Spirit in this passage. If you go with me to the verses that we have, 19 to 21, it says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. First notice that the Spirit-filled people get together with other people of God. It's not, it's not that you getting together, you are feeling your, your heart. No, it's a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a desire to be with the people of God. That's what I say, addressing one another. You cannot address one another if you don't find 
another, right? Spirit-filled people know the Bible so then they can sing the Bible to each other, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Spirit-filled people always have a song in their hearts ready to sing it with their mouths, even if it's out of tune. Doesn't matter. Spirit-filled people always have these praises, worship, adoration, that when we are with others, it's like, brother, I need to tell you, this is the sound that God is using in my life. But that is a result of you being filled of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit-filled people always give thanks, even when things don't go, this, don't go their way. Nasli says, spirit-filled people submit to one another. You see? Because all are under the same authority, Jesus Christ. So we submit willingly to one another. Out of reverence for Christ. May God grant us today to be filled with the Spirit through the corporate prayers, through the personal prayers, through the exposition of His Word, and through our exposing daily to the Word of God. Amen. Let's pray. What a beautiful... What a beautiful story of our salvation. Where God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit work together in harmony to make us the heirs of this great salvation. Our prayer this morning, Lord, is that you will Fill us with the wisdom of the spirit of wisdom, with the spirit of Christ. And that through your word, you will open our eyes to see the riches that we have in Christ in glory. Your name, we pray, amen. And now we come to the Lord's table. I love that we have this table in this floor because that means that it's for everybody. All those who have received this salvation, here is the table of the Lord, inviting us to come and to remember what he did for us, and to keep in our hearts 
the works, the mighty works, how he saved us from the slavery of sin and death, from eternal judgment. This is the table of the Lord. Father in heaven, we bow our heads now because Jesus bowed his head and gave his spirit. We do it in reverence, in respect, in awe, and in adoration for the person of Christ, the words of Christ, and for the cross of Christ. Fill us now and afresh with your Holy Spirit so that our worship in this moment will bring true honor to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you. But the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord Jesus, you said, I am the living bread that came from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of this world is my flesh. Now as we eat this bread, help our souls to understand the symbols to the deepest reality. You bore our sins in your body. You became sin for us. You suffered death in your body. And you were resurrected in your body. Bread of heaven. We feast in remembrance of your body given for us. Amen.